The views, opinions, and findings contained in this podcast are those of the host and subject matter experts. They should not be construed as official Department of Defense positions, policies, or decisions unless designated by other official documentation. Hi, welcome to Clinical Updates in Brain Injury Science Today, or CUBIST, a bi-weekly podcast for healthcare providers about current research on traumatic brain injury, also known as TBI. This program is produced by the Defense and Veterans Brain Injury Center, otherwise known as DIVBIC, and I'm your host, Ann Bunner, filling in today for our regular host, Inbal Eschel. I'm a biologist and program analyst here at DIVBIC. You may remember me from previous episodes of Cubist, where I frequently join Inbal to talk about TBI research making headlines. In today's episode, I'll be talking with Dr. Don Marion. Dr. Marion is a neurosurgeon and senior clinical consultant at DIVBIC. In today's episode, Don and I will discuss a study entitled Pilot Findings of Brain Displacements and Deformations During Roller Coaster Rides. This article was recently published in the Journal of Neurotrauma by KU, KUO, and colleagues. Welcome, Don. Thank you, Anne. So tell us, why did the researchers choose to investigate roller coasters? Previously, there have been several case studies reporting uh, serious brain injuries from roller coaster rides, including seven cases of subdural hematomas, two cases of subarachnoid hemorrhage, and multiple cases of concussion. However, none of these previous studies carefully looked at brain displacement and deformation during roller coaster rides. So when, when you talk about these cases of uh, severe or even mild injuries with roller coasters, are we talking about cases where the roller coasters malfunctioned and these people were struck in the head? No, and that's the uh, interesting uh, aspect and what these investigators are trying to get at. In all of these cases I mentioned, there was no direct contact with the head. So who are the subjects in this study? So these individuals looked at two healthy 26-year-old men who uh, were of slightly different size and slightly different diameter or circumference of their necks, which is related to uh, some points we'll make later on. These two individuals underwent three roller coaster rides wherein they sat next to each other on the roller coasters. For comparison, they also ran three miles at about a nine-minute-per-mile pace, And then one of the subjects was also uh, a participant in a soccer heading trial using uh, a ball launcher. So how did they measure their head movements during these activities? The men wore a custom-fitted mouth guard that was tightly fitted to their upper dentition. Each mouth guard had a triaxial accelerometer and triaxial gyroscope embedded into it, which recorded acceleration and velocity in three dimensions. This data was then transferred to a computer-based engineering model to calculate kinematics and estimations of brain displacement and brain deformation and strain. So what did they find? Um, the maximum brain surface displacements were 4 millimeters, and the maximal principal strain was approximately 7.6% uh, during the roller coaster rides, uh, which was similar to soccer headers, but less than with running. And um, I emphasize that, I think that's important, uh, strain is, is the elongation or compression of tissue relative to the original length of that tissue. And uh, many investigators feel that axonal injury or so-called diffuse axonal injury is related to strain. So that, that's kind of an important issue. The individual variation 
among the two men, though, should be emphasized. And so for one of the men, the roller coaster angular velocity exceeded average soccer header velocity only once. But for the other subject, it exceeded average soccer header angular velocity 21 times. So there's quite a, a significant difference in that parameter. So what do you think accounted for the differences between the results from the two subjects? Again, as I alluded to uh, at the beginning of the talk, I, I think the one subject had a greater mass and, and larger neck circumference, and that was the individual who only had uh, one angular velocity that exceeded the soccer headers. So what are some of the limitations of this study? The primary limitation, in my opinion at least, is that the deformation and strain values were not directly measured, but were estimated from computer simulations and finite element modeling. It's really not possible to validate their models for all possible conditions. Of course, an additional limitation is that there were only two subjects in the study. What is your takeaway message for providers from this paper? I think that during roller coaster rides, and the average brain displacements and strain levels appear to be lower than those in mild sports head impacts and likely, likely present a low risk of acute brain injuries. However, the peak brain displacements and strains during these rides are higher than everyday activities and comparable to mild sports activities such as soccer heading. Angular velocity in particular can be double that seen in soccer heading. So ultimately, if multiple subconcussive brain displacements or strains are thought to be associated with long-term cognitive problems, as some have suggested, then longitudinal studies of frequent roller coaster rides might be needed. Does publicizing research like this risk alarming patients and providers about something innocuous when there are many more concussions sustained in activities like ball sports and cycling? Sure it does, Anne, and I think that's a great point. I think that we have to be very careful about alarming people about things like roller coaster rides. I don't believe that this article establishes that roller coaster rides cause serious brain injury or um, uh, even over the long term are necessarily uh, a risky behavior. But I, I do think this article does suggest that we do need uh, good long-term longitudinal studies. Thank you so much, Don, for your insights. That's all we have time for today. We hope you enjoyed this quick literature update. You can stay up to date on future episodes by subscribing to Cubist on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts, where you can also find links to the articles we discuss and other relevant resources. Speaking of relevant resources, myself and the Deputy Director of DivBIC, Ms. Kathy Helmick, will be giving a free webinar on gender differences in TBI outcomes on Tuesday, September 19th at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. This is part of a three-day continuing education summit featuring almost 30 expert speakers on a variety of issues related to TBI and psychological health. To register, go to divbic.deco.mil and click on the banner that says 2017 Summit, Register Now. That's dvbic.dcoe.mil. If you have any questions about the podcast or about DivBic products or programs, or if you have feedback for us, please feel free to email us at info at divbic.org. That's info at dvbic.org. Cubist is produced and edited by Deborah Baylin and was hosted today by me, Ann Bunner. It is a product of the Defense and Veterans Brain Injury Center, 
led by Acting National Director Dr. Thomas DeGraba and the Defense Centers of Excellence for Psychological Health and Traumatic Brain Injury, led by Acting Director Dr. Richard Stoltz. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in two weeks to explore TBI research that has received significant media attention. Thank you.